Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camry Widmer, and joining us today is, is Dusta Kimsey O'Connell. This lady is quite a talent. She's an all-around cowgirl and a huge role model for all different varieties of things that go on in the Western lifestyle. She's a trick rider. She has an act with a mini pony named Lickety Split. She's a competitive barrel racer. She's college rodeoed. She's been involved with her entire family since she was a young girl. Her brothers are NFR qualifiers and world champions. Her husband is now managing a rodeo company and he's been a bullfighter as well as a pickup man and her brother-in-law is a world champion bareback rider. So she knows what success looks like. She knows what it takes to get there and she is full of awesome advice to share with us today. So that means I went to a lot of college, a lot of school. Um, and that's actually one of the ways that I met Camry. So that's pretty cool. Um, I got a full ride rodeo scholarship out of high school. First, I went to Northwestern Oklahoma State University and rode for the Rangers. And then after two years of prerequisites at Northwestern, I transferred to Southwestern Oklahoma State University because I got into their college of pharmacy and I rodeoed for them for three more years. Kind of a cool little known fact about college rodeo, but if you're in a doctorate program or going for your master's, they give you a fifth year. So that's pretty special and pretty fun. So I got to actually have five years of college rodeo. Um, I competed in all of the women's events, barrel racing, goat tying, breakaway roping, team roped one time with Sage, but that was, that was the end of our team roping career. We weren't real good at it if we're being honest. So um, it was pretty fun. We had a lot, a lot of fun college rodeoing and um, those scholarships I earned college rodeoing got me to graduate with a doctorate and everything debt-free. So that was really fun um, and really special. So once I got, I got to use my rodeo background and my rodeo skills to actually pay for my college. So that was pretty awesome. And then to graduate and go out in the real world and take a real job. And um, I'm what they call a relief pharmacist now. So that's actually where I basically fill in kind of like a substitute teacher does. So I fill in for other pharmacists when they can't be there. And that gives me some freedoms to still rodeo and do that professionally as well. So it's kind of nice. That's awesome. Uh, so how did you get started in rodeo? You know, a lot of these kids here are pretty young and they're just figuring out the ropes. So what's your story and why? Yeah, we like to joke that I was pretty well born on the back of a horse and it's really not far from true. Um, my dad, Ted Kimsey, is a 17-time Wrangler Bullfight Barrel Man at the National Finals Rodeo. Um, he's worked it like 19 times. So um, we definitely, I think I attended my first NFR when I was like two weeks old. So it's been kind of a family tradition for sure. My mom, Jennifer, she's incredible. She was a runner-up to Miss Rodeo Texas, barrel racer, um, and she's really the glue that holds our family together. She not only pushed us in and out of the arena, but like she really makes us better people every day. So she's super, super special human. And um, they gave us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to get in the arena as kids, whether it was starting out on a stick horse and go into these little local play days, or once we got into junior high and high school rodeo, we never missed one. They made sure that we were able to go and um, the, the kicker on that, though, is they also made sure that if we were going to go, 
that we practiced. And so we had a set number of times a week, we had to have each one of our horses ridden. We had a set number of times a week, we had to rope calves. We had a set number of times a week, we had to rope the dummy without missing in a row. And so it was like, um, not only did they give us the opportunity, but they also showed us that with the opportunity, there still comes a ton of responsibility and that nobody's gonna hand it to us and that we were gonna have to work our tail ends off for it. So um, I was so, so lucky and so blessed in that area that we were just, all three of us kids, we were really raised right. And um, when I say that, I mean, our parents showed us that participation ribbons aren't gonna be good enough in life. And that um, this life can be just about anything you want it to be. If you're dreaming gold buckles, it can be that, but you've got to put in the work. That is so true. And we talk about that a lot, don't we guys? A lot about putting in the work and coming up with strategies and setting goals and, and not just setting the goal, but how we're going to get there. Uh, because you can't achieve those goals if you don't have a way. You can't just talk right. about it. You have to actually do the action. So, so that's Brody. What about your trick riding? Like, or was trick riding first or how no, did that um, entertainment? Rodeo thing? was first and then trick riding came secondary to rodeo. Um, like I said, I started rodeoing in the five and unders and went all the way up. Um, then whenever I got a little bit older, I was probably eight years old, eight, nine years old when I started really getting very, very interested in the trick riders and what was happening at these rodeos that I was going to with my dad. Um, one of the first trick riders that I remember becoming just totally amazed by is Melissa Navard. And so she was traveling with her group, the Flying Arena Stars, whenever I was a little girl, and I was just obsessed. Um, Sage and I were always out at the barn doing something probably not very safe on our horses, like trying to do flips off of them and everything else. And so um, my mom was like, well, if y'all are going to do this, you're going to learn to do it right. So she sent us to um, Colorado to the Vold Ranch. Karen Vold, Linda Schultz have actually a trick riding camp, Red Top Ranch Trick Riding School. And so we went when I was probably 10 years old for the first time, would have made Sage like seven and a half, eight. Trey was young, young, too young to participate, like probably three at the time. So we went up there and my mom really thought that it would be one of those things that she would go let us get a taste of and we would just be done with it and we'd have satisfied that itch and we'd move on. And it was kind of the opposite. We were totally hooked. We went every year for the next, oh gosh, I don't even know. If we could make it, I would say probably at least five to seven years easily. Um, we had Trey hold off until he was five, but he started trick riding at five years old with us and started performing that young like he was he was part of the show almost out of the gate so um i started training at 10 and by 15 worked my first pro rodeo under my dad's prca card in his act so wow i did not realize that so when you did that at 15 was trey and uh, sage in it as well or was that just you by yourself? yes so the very first time we ever did the act we did it as part of dad's dad's act and so we kind of ran it as almost a halfway comedy routine um and that we would come in sage and i and do a couple of professional looking tricks and dad would come in on his clown pony and say something similar to wait 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 you said these people are making money i want to make money i can do this too and they would give him a couple of gag tricks to do such as the oklahoma flyaway where he you know went around on his horse and 
fluttered his little wings and flew away or they would do um oh just all kinds of little gaggy stuff well when they would ask him to do something hard like under the belly um he would run down the line and the line is um the people that line up to keep our horses going the right direction and he would stop at this little boy in the center of the line that was holding the tape and that little boy was trey and so trey would be in full regalia pull off his jacket steal ted's horse when ted literally crawled off of her and went under her belly and do one of his little tricks and that was trey's introduction to the act at five years old so he kind of oh. always stole the show <laughs> still that's does awesome. and that's got to be so cool being able to do that as a family oh it was so special um i think that you know we weren't a big family growing up um we had we lost both of our grandparents on my dad's side pretty early I think I was in fourth grade and then sixth grade so that was kind of sad and he's an only child my mom's only sister lives in California so we didn't have a ton of you know that big family background so we were a super tight-knit family like the mm -hmm. five of us that everybody knows is pretty much what we grew up with so um it was it was pretty special we spent a lot of time together some of it was all smiles and cheers and hoorahs. Some of it was the practices that don't go as good that ended in blood and tears, but you know, that's family for you. So that's the reality. So. Yes, I'm sure. Can any of you guys relate to that? The practices that don't always go so good with <laughs> brothers and sisters. <laughs> I think it happens to all of us. For sure. We okay. always kind of felt like in the practice pen, if we weren't pushing ourselves to the absolute max, we weren't accomplishing anything. And so we were trying to get our best ever every single time. And that, especially when we started trick riding, meant new tricks, faster speeds, all of that stuff every time. And I can tell you guys that um, that may not be the safest way to learn trick riding. So <laughs> word to the wise, learn from my experience. Maybe don't have to be <laughs> the fastest, craziest trick every single practice. Yeah. Have you gotten injured very many times trick riding? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, they always say in rodeo, it's not if it's when, and that definitely applies in the trick riding um, arena. It's usually stuff that you can't account for. Um, one of my most recent injuries was some ribs and my horse fell on some unsure footing at a rodeo and there, there's nothing you can do about it. I was dragging underneath him in a suicide drag. We were in California and he felt he lost his footing and fell down and so um no one's really at fault there there's nothing you can really do and it just happens so you just try the, your best to get out of the situation and learn what to do to recover from it what comes next so right and does trick riding is usually kind of a a group sport especially traditionally like whenever you look at groups from way back when um you always girls back then always rode in big groups there'd be at least three to four riders everywhere you went and um basically just with the evolution of the game and when we do trick riding at rodeos we do what they call bidding which is us um telling we a committee hires us to come in as the entertainment so i'm always working for money i never trick ride for free I'll tell you guys that up front. Um, it's what I'm paid to do. It's my job. And so my neck is valuable. My horse is valuable. And it's something that I'm paid to do. 
And so with that, um, lots of committees anymore can't afford to hire three or four girls to all come bring their own rig, that kind of thing. So it's kind of evolutionized the game where lots and lots of times now you see one, maybe two girls. When you see three or four girls, that committee went all out and they deserve a big pat on the back because they worked really hard to raise enough money to have three to four girls at your rodeo. So little insider trading there on how kind of the game works when it comes to trick riding and um, that kind of thing. So a lot of these guys come and go back and forth to rodeos in their hometowns and support as much as they can. Do you have any suggestions as to how they can support the rodeo and the entertainment? Oh, for sure. So one of the easiest things is just to tell people what you loved about the rodeo. Um, anymore, especially with Facebook, it is so easy to get on Facebook and say, oh my gosh, the entertainment at the rodeo tonight was so amazing. That girl that hung underneath her horse was incredible. I hope you have her back next year. Mm -hmm. I always love that. <laughs> um, my favorite is when I get to return to rodeos because you do meet so many people and you want to see them again. And so lots of times rodeos switch out their entertainment every single year, which means that I don't get to see lots of the same faces year after year, which is very different than growing up with my dad as a clown. My dad went to lots of the same rodeos year after year and we made so many lifelong friends at those rodeos. So it's nice because I get to see lots of the same faces as far as contestants and things like that go. But when I go to towns and meet people, I love getting to go back to those same towns two, three years in a row or after a year off to get to see all the friends I made the first time I was there. Definitely. You know, it's important to remember for all of us that rodeo, it's not just the contestants that are like a family. It's the fans, it's the committees, it's everything. You know, you get used to the facilities almost like they're at home when you go year after year and you make friends with the people that are working the tractor and running the gates and just those happy, friendly, smiling faces and all the people that come out in the community. And I can only imagine as a trick rider, you have all kinds of younger kids, little girls and boys who are watching you and they're, they admire you and all the glitter and the stunts and the pretty horses and all the, you know, the makeup that you get to put on and the outfits are so cool and you get to be such an awesome role model for them and showing them what's possible in life. So I can only imagine how much joy there is in going back year after year and, and seeing that and continuing to make that positive impression for the younger generation too. When you go to these events and they hire you as an entertainer, you aren't just a trick writer, though. Let's talk a little bit about Lickety Split. Yes, Lickety. He's the, the most popular member of the team for sure. Um, Lickety is also probably the newest member. I've had Lickety for, let me think. I think I got him in 2017. So that would be five years ago, four years ago. My math's not great when I'm off work. <laughs> and he's so special. He is, we call him the not a one trick pony because he's not. He knows all kinds of different tricks. He's super smart. He practically truly can speak English. He knows so, so, so many English words. So um, he's, a, he's a pretty special little member of the team. What made you decide to add Lickety Split to your act? Um, Lickety Split fell in my lap, quite honestly. Um, 
my good, good friends, Jerry Wayne and Judy Olson helped mentor me early in my career. They're out of South Dakota and Jerry Wayne and his family are some of the greatest animal trainers and performers of all time. And so Jerry Wayne Olson actually trained Lickety Split. He was one of his last animals he trained before his retirement from pro rodeo. And Jerry Wayne had retired about two years before I bought Lickety Split. And um, Jerry Wayne had, he was done traveling. He had a really beautiful, famous Palomino horse named Justin Boots at the time. And there was, he had two main acts, Justin Boots and Lickety Split. And so um, Lickety was only like maybe eight years old at the time. And so Lickety wasn't quite ready to retire with Jerry Wayne. And they had thought about it a lot and they called me up and said, I think you're the perfect person for this pony. And I was kind of like, well, I've always loved him, but I'm sure I couldn't afford him. And, you know, I appreciate you thinking of me, but they were like, no, we think you can. So um, long story short, my mom and I, it's all, I'm telling you guys, it's always my mom. All these stories start <laughs> with my mom. Um, we drove 15 hours in my 40 foot four horse living quarters trailer to South Dakota to get about a two and a half foot pony, <laughs> but um, it was so fun. We spent a couple days up with Jerry Wayne learning all about Lickety Split and what kind of makes him tick, how to give him his cues, because everything that Lickety Split does is off of a trained cue. Um, he literally truly does speak English. He can do most of his act completely at liberty with no, you don't have to use a whip. You don't have to use any kind of device of any kind. He knows, he knows what he's doing when he's doing it. Um, he's also smart enough to know when we're performing and when we're practicing. And um, I'm sure you guys can kind of relate that rodeo, but your intensity level at a rodeo is just very different than it is at practice. And that is for sure Lickety Split. He is a game time performer. He is hilarious. He gets so into it. So um, he just, he loves the crowds. He loves everything about it. And um, one cool thing about Lickety is uh, I think it was the first year, I full year I had him. I got hurt really bad trick riding. Um, I had an accident out of a one foot stand and drug from my horse halfway around the arena, not on purpose. <laughs> And um, I completely trashed out my left knee. So um, that, that night, that next night, I obviously couldn't trick ride. And um, I actually performed the Lickety Split Act from crutches. And oh horses God. are just, yeah, horses are just so special that, you know, like they just know. And normally, as you probably saw in the video, when Lickety comes out, he likes to pull on me and he's really strong for a little guy. And he walked out there so quiet, went through the whole act so quiet. He never pulled on me one time. And he let me do the whole stinking act on crutches for um, Ashland, Missouri one year at their pro rodeo. So it was, it was pretty cool. He's been, he's been pretty good to me through everything. That is so neat. And what a special bond to develop with that little guy because he's so stinking cute. I would think that he could make any day feel a little bit better. And I think it's important for all of us to remember, like, if our horses or that our horses react so much to our moods and our energy. So if you're in a bad mood and your horse is all of a sudden calm or if all of a sudden they're acting different, uh, you know, that's a good opportunity to look at ourselves and see what's going on in our lives and you know, utilize it as a therapy opportunity because they are so good for that. And there's a reason that they use horses for therapy animals because they can read everything about our energy. 
100%. Him and Ike are both. Big Ike is my big yellow trick riding horse that you guys got to see in the first video. He's the horse that we did the movie um, Cowgirls and Angels 2 Dakota's Summer with. He's on the cover of that movie. So he's pretty special. He's normally super ornery and cantankerous, but he has this heart for it's the wildest thing but like i'm telling you if he sees someone that has some special needs so when you are looking for a trick riding horse what are you looking for so it really depends on where you're at and what your goals are um honestly i wasn't looking for my two of my three horses that have been kind of my career horses i wasn't looking for when i found them i would have never picked them honestly um, big Ike, I went looking for, um, whenever I was looking for big Ike, I wanted something that was big and strong fast. And I wanted something Palomino with a white face and Chrome. Um, like I told you guys before my childhood hero growing up, um, trick riding wise was Melissa Navarre. And she had this Palomino horse named Concho and he was actually a steer wrestling horse. And so the thing that you don't think about when you think about trick riding horses, you would think they would be really broke and really gentle. Well, a really broke, really gentle horse wants to take care of you and tends to stop and check on you when you're hanging off the side of it or jumping off and on it. It's not a very natural thing for a broke, gentle horse to keep running. So goat tying horses, steer wrestling horses, horses that have just way too much run, <laughs> those horses tend to work better for trick riding because they'll basically just keep moving. It's kind of a a struggle to get a horse to learn that keep moving factor if they don't naturally have a little bit of runoff in them. So um, that's kind of when I'm looking at horses, I like them to have lots and lots of go, but I'm also at breakneck speed all the time. I'm not really learning tricks at this point in my career, that kind of thing. Um, when I was first learning and getting started, we pony horses a lot and we use just old broke, dog broke, gentle horses, and you just pony them slow. And that's how you kind of learned and got in your tricks. But once I'm looking for a horse to go perform on, I want something that fires really hard. And so that's kind of what I look for anymore. Um, my first little horse I ever had, his name was Snips. And he was a goat tying horse, and he wasn't very good at it. He was quite awful actually. And we just had him at one of my dad's rodeos because we were leaving straight from my rodeo to go to dad's rodeo. And um, my teacher, Karen Vold was there and she was like, well, let's practice. And I'm like, I don't have a horse, Karen. Like I, I don't have one. And she's like, well, what's that horse? And I was like, oh no, he bites, he kicks, he bucks sometimes, he always rears up. Like he, no, he doesn't want to be a trick riding horse. And um, as it would turn out, trick riding was exactly what he wanted to be and do. So I rode Snips for the first 15 years of my career. He was about 14 something hands, not very big, not big enough to be a trick riding horse and um, all the things, but he was perfect. He ran so hard. He tried so hard. He did right by you every single time. He could feel you. Um, one thing about trick riding horses, it doesn't really take very long to get them to go around the pattern it takes a really long time to get them to go around it and understand what's actually happening in your tricks and how they need to hold your weight and that kind of thing. And especially to get them to understand when something might be wrong. And so that was one of the things that made Snips so special is for whatever reason, he always just seemed to just know. Um, one of my trick riding partners when I was younger was Haley Gansel. She's Haley Proctor now. 
And Haley and I <laughs> decided before one of our first pro rodeos together, which was Claremore, Oklahoma, that we really needed to do a hippodrome tail drag, that that was going to be the big ticket seller for this rodeo. Um, the problem with that is neither one of us and neither one of our horses had ever done a tail drag. So <laughs> the night before the rodeo, we decide we're going to teach her and teach Snips how to do a tail drag and I'll do a hippodrome, which is when you stand up on them. And so I'll do a hippodrome, hold the reins, hold on to snips, and she's going to do a tail drag off the back. So two girls, one horse, double trick. And um, wow. we, got, <laughs> we got into it that first night at practice. And I can't remember if the strap broke or if she just fell to the side. But in the tail drag, everything is square with the horse's rump, right? Well, Haley ended up off of his rump and on the side and in the fence. So her head is like about to bounce off of this arena fence. And Snips just oh. takes like three big steps in, like he's trained absolutely not to do, and slows down and lets her get back up. And we were both just like, we love this horse so much. He's so special. So that's one of my fun Snips stories. He's the best. That has got to be such an adrenaline rush. It for sure was. It was really hard to convince her that she needed to try it again after that. But she's a trooper and she did. And we did it at the rodeo that weekend. <laughs> That is amazing. What is your favorite trick? Um, my favorites, oh gosh. So I have a couple favorites. Um, my favorite crowd-pleasing trick that everyone loves every time is the hippodrome. It's where you stand up on them. Um, I usually do mine. My husband just said, I thought I was your favorite. Thanks, babe. Um, <laughs> he is my favorite. Um, it always is the crowd favorite. Um, I usually do mine with a American flag and sometimes even throw in fireworks. So um, it always gets the crowd going. They love it. I love it. Um, but one of my tricks that I, my first trick I ever fell in love with was the suicide drag. Um, it was just, it was my favorite from go. I love having my hands and my hair dragging the dirt while my horse is just basically running off. It's just, a, it's a really sweet feeling. Um, I love it. And then one of the tricks that I'm most proud of learning to do is um, the shoulder stand. And it was a really hard one for me to first commit to because like I said, I didn't really have learner horses. I went straight to Snips who ran like he was secretariat every single time. And so for me to learn a shoulder stand, I had to just do it. And um, that was really intimidating the first time when you actually like let go of everything except for your strap you're holding on to and throw yourself down up there. So it's kind of nuts, um, but totally worth it. And one of my favorite tricks to this day, for sure. It has got to take a lot of strength to be able to do all of that. So how do you stay in shape? Yeah. So when I was young, I didn't do any and now I get up three days a week at 5 a.m. and have a personal trainer. So <laughs> on top of my normal practice and riding and everything else. So yeah, it's, um, it's a big life change, 15 to 30 for sure. Lots and lots of um, strength and conditioning, weights and core. How often do you ride your horses and what do you do to keep them in shape? Um, so in season, um, or getting them ready for season, we always, the rule at our house was always they had to be ridden at least three times a week. That was just always my mom's hard and fast rule. And so that's still kind of what I try to keep. The last couple, last year was crazy. With 2020, we had almost no rodeos. I went from over 100 performances in 2019 
two seven performances in 2020. So um, last year they didn't get road hardly at all. They pretty much took a year off and they've kind of maintained that so far in 2021. <laughs> but um, I did get to go do the Enid Extreme Bulls the other day and it looks like I'm gonna have one show in June and then July, August is gonna have somewhat return to normalcy. So during that, um, if we have rodeos every weekend, I exercise them lightly once or twice during the week. But other than that, I'm basically resting them because they have to give me so much. Um, when you think about it, most performance horses, calf horses, barrel horses, they're in the arena for less than 20 seconds all the time. My horses are out there for five minutes. Our shows runs three to five minutes everywhere we go. And so they're out there running, blowing, gunning, holding me up while I'm hanging off the side of them for five minutes at a time. And so they require a lot of rest and recuperation for their muscles. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I found really interesting as I got older and kind of realized is like my barrel horses require the most maintenance on their joints. Um, my trick riding horses require a lot more maintenance on their muscles and way less on their joints. It's not near as hard on their joints as what like the stopping turning of calf roping or barrel racing is but it's a lot harder on like their muscles and their backs and so we do a lot more like massage chiro and that kind of thing and a lot less thankfully joint supplements joint injections that kind of thing with them so just kind yeah. of a fun fun that's, fact that's interesting and definitely makes sense since you're standing up on them and they're carrying your weight and you know they're more running in straighter or big round circles versus, you know, cutting and stopping hard and turning fast and all of that. So I can see where their muscles would be sore on a regular basis than their joints. Um, but I didn't know that for a fact. So thank you for that. And when you're going to these rodeos, do you get to take a barrel horse along? I do. Um, it kind of depends on my schedule. So, um, a couple years ago, I started rodeoing primarily in the Great Lakes circuit, which is like Camry's home in Iowa. I can't even remember how many states there is, but it's I like Iowa nine. With nine. Yeah, it's huge. Mm -hmm. Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, that kind of thing. I'm from Oklahoma. So obviously that's a super long ways away. When I go and stay in Iowa for the summer, it's about a 13 hour drive the first time I drive it. So um, it kind of depends on how many shows I have and how many trick riding horses I have to have as to how many barrel horses I can take, but I almost always have at least one barrel horse with me and am usually entering barrels as well. I know we have a few people here on the Zoom with us that have some questions for you, so we'll start asking a few of those. What was your fastest barrel time? Ooh. So in college, we rodeoed in a bunch of really little arenas, really little. Oh my gosh, I can't even remember for sure, but I think I was 11.9 at Alva maybe one year, and that was like, holy cow, it was so fast, but um, it's, it's kind of crazy. In college, you rodeo in some really small arenas, so it's not really, it's not like big arenas, they're little, and so we had like 12 second times all the time in college. What was your fastest goat tying time? Fastest goat run ever was at Manhattan, Kansas, and it was 5.9 seconds. My fastest ever was at Manhattan, too. It was at 6.1. Yes. Charlotte, you have a question. Where was the first arena you performed trick riding? It was at my hometown, Cheyenne, Oklahoma. We only have a pro rodeo once every five years. It's kind of a special one. 
so we have a old settlers reunion and it rotates towns and so we only get to have it once every five years and that was my first one i ever worked and one of these days it'll probably be the last one too sadie forrester what's your question who is your favorite trick riding horse my favorite trick riding horse is Snips. He died last year um, at 27 or 8, I think. But he's my favorite of all time. There'll never be another one as good as him. Aubrey Wolf. What is your favorite horse altogether? Ooh, that one's hard. Um, well, Snips was my favorite trick riding horse for sure, but I had a really special horse growing up named Sugar. And I rode Sugar from the time I was eight until I was 18, and I'm still riding her babies today. And so she's maybe my favorite horse of all time. She took me to the National High School Finals four times. She, I rode her first baby in college at college rodeos. And I'm riding one of her last babies today. She's going to get to have her first rodeo this weekend. So, yeah. Harper Berger. What was it like to make the movie? The movies? So movies are kind of different. I don't know that they're my favorite thing or my least favorite thing I've ever done. Um, they're kind of like hurry up and wait. They tell you you're going to need to be in costume and makeup at 645 in the morning and they may not shoot your scene until seven o'clock at night. So that part of movies was not my favorite because I kind of like to keep a tight schedule. Um, but it was really, really, really cool. Um, one, getting to meet the actors and actresses. On the first Cowgirls and Angels movie, um, James Cromwell and Bailey Madison became two of my very favorite people. And then when we shot the second movie, Keith Carradine was the male lead and he was the nicest, most genuine human. So um, that was really cool. And um, it was really neat because there was more than one trick rider on the scene. So I got to hang out with all my trick riding buddies. The first one was me, Haley, that I talked about earlier, Haley Gansel Proctor, and then Leah Self. And then for the second one, they brought in even more trick riders. So we added Ginger Duke and Lindy Neely. And um, the second movie, I was on set for right at a month. It was in Louisiana. I got to hang out on the Circle T Ranch. I made some lifelong friends with them. Um, actually, Jacob Talley is leading the world right now in the bulldogging, and that's his family's ranch. And so we met in 2011 when we filmed the movie at his house. So... Yeah, you make lifelong friends and it's just kind of a small world once you get out in it. It's a great big world, but it's a small one too. Yes, and Jacob Talley, I love his story. Uh, he shares it with us on one of the RodeoKids.com podcasts about how he's gotten so far in such a short amount of time and overcome some pretty major obstacles. So if you get a chance, check that out. They're awesome, awesome people. His mom, Amy, is a lot like my mom. She's the glue. She's a good one, so... Gotta love those awesome rodeo moms. Lillian, your question is next. Do you have a favorite trick or performance that you did with your pony before? Ooh, my pony. Um, He's had some really special ones. Probably the most favorite special one was when we did it on crutches that time. That was pretty special. Um, he, My most favorite trick that Lickety Split does is his lay down. Laying down's a really 
not natural thing for it to teach a horse. And then when Lickety Split lays down, he lays down and then he runs through several of his tricks while he's laying down. While he's laying down, he gives me a kiss. He can take his, we share a blanket and he steals the blanket. And what else does Lick do? Oh, and then he sits up. And sitting's a really, really hard thing to teach a horse, especially to stay in, because it's a very unnatural position for him. You very rarely, you see horses laying down all the time, but you very rarely see a horse just sitting, sitting up like a dog. And so um, it's pretty neat that Lickety does that so well. How do you keep your mind straight, you know, when you're going from trick riding to lickety split to running barrels and wheels picking up and there's just so much chaos and excitement going on? How do you stay focused from one thing to the next? I would say probably um, a lot of practice. Uh, growing up, I did everything. I came from a really small high school. So in my high school, everybody did everything. I had 19 in my senior class. So we all played basketball. We did softball. We did FFA. We did 4-H, you know, if it was a thing, we did it. And so I had learned really early time management and compartmentalizing. And then I carried that into high school rodeo because I competed. And I think it was six events at high school rodeo cutting everything Mm -hmm. and my mom always had a five minute rule like we were only allowed to be mad about a run or anything else for five minutes and we were never allowed to be mad in the arena ever and that still applies if she sees one of us on the cowboy channel throwing a fit in the arena we're gonna get a call from mom so um that's kind of um that was kind of how I got my all-around cowgirl mentality early was it was like get over it, you have another event to compete in, get over it, you have another event to compete in, because you couldn't let one bad run make your whole day bad. And so um, that was kind of like my first like real time management and move on and staying focused and staying in the game. So it came really natural to me to start doing everything else to um, I set myself up for success early in the day, I have all my stuff as organized as I can get it my husband's laughing because he's super super OCD and organized and I'm kind of a hot mess. I have, <laughs> I know where everything is but don't mess with my mess because it's a mess. <laughs> but um, I kind of have my mess organized chaos before I go and make sure I have everything that each one of my horses is going to need well beforehand. Um, I start preparing for rodeos probably, well, honestly, like days off, obviously, but like, I would say I start perf time preparing for rodeos at least four hours out every night to make sure I have everything I'm going to need for the evening. So that's, Will says that's why he takes his own separate trailer so he can be organized. <laughs> it's a lot of glitter. Yeah, I bet there's <laughs> a lot of glitter. Kinley, what's your question? Um, what is your favorite pin to rodeo in? My favorite pin? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Spooner, Wisconsin is one of my favorite pins I've ever been to. It's huge. And so um, when we trick ride, usually you'll only have, I would say, five to six seconds to get around the whole arena. And in Spooner, you have like 15 because it's so big. So that was really fun to get to get in that big arena. And um, I got to trick ride there with my one of my best friends, Sadie Lynn. And we used three horses and we traded them all out all night so that they could keep running really fast and really hard. And um, that was a really, really fun arena. It's one of my favorites. 
I love the Spooner Rodeo. They have such an awesome crowd, and they get so into it, and it's just a really fun atmosphere. And I know, at least from a barrel racer's point of view, the louder you can get, the more fun it is for everybody involved. So make some noise. Absolutely, for sure. Sadie, you get the next question. What Have you got scared by doing a trick before? Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. Um, honestly, if you're not a little bit scared when you're trick riding, something's probably really wrong with you, but it's more of an excited scared. It's not like a fear scared. It's like a excited and want to do good kind of a scare. And, um, it's just like, do any of you ride roller coasters? It's like that kind of a scared, like it's like a fun scared. So yeah, it's, it's scary, but it's fun. Charlotte Kovar. Is there a school you recommend? Absolutely. So um, the, the best trick riding school still to this day is the one I started at, which is Red Top Ranch. It is Karen Vold, Linda Schultz. And when you look at today's top trick riders going up and down the world, Madison, McDonald, Thomas, all of us, we all have some background training with that school and that camp. So um, it's a really special, special place. And I highly 10 out of 10 recommend it. Um, there's some really good clinicians out there today. Um, Maddie being one of them, Madison McDonald Thomas is one of my best friends in the game. And she does probably as many lessons or clinics as anybody right now. And she does a great job. Ginger Duke does a great job teaching. So there's a lot of really good, good girls out there teaching, but you got to be careful because you don't want to fall into, um, into getting into a situation that's going to make you unsafe. Anybody that I've mentioned, I promise you will do, do right by you and your horse and keep you as safe as possible doing a dangerous sport. So. So all of these kids are very, you know, competitive and really working hard to get better. Um, and we've got Riley Smith. He's a bull rider and working on his balance all the time. He's got his yoga ball that he, or not yoga ball, but exercise ball, the big one that he gets on and works on keeping his balance. And I've been trying it, Riley, and it's rough. It's hard for me to do that. So um, that's a really good exercise. But you know, you come from such an amazing family of success in and out of the arena. Uh, what can you tell us about, you know, your brothers? You know, you've got Trey and Sage, and, you know, they're obviously very, very successful in the bull riding arena, and I'm sure that all these kids would love to hear some of their tricks and tips um, and things that you've experienced from them as well. All, all three of us growing up, did just about anything and everything that we could do. And that's one thing I 10 out of 10 recommend um, to everybody. Lots of times I think you see kids specialize, 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 and that's great too. But I really believe today that Sage is the bull rider he is because he showed cutting horses and that's incredible for your balance. He trick rode that's incredible for your balance. He did all of these other things. Um, his, you know, his ability now to go on camera and not be nervous and everything. Well, we had years of that in 4-H, in FFA, in high school rodeo. He was the national junior high student president. And so like we, we got some experiences there just even growing up that made such a huge difference in the path our lives took later. And for sure, for sure. Um, just get involved in, if you want to do it, 
and try it. If you just like, you know, oh, you really wanted to try doing jumping horses for a while, try it. It's going to make you a better rider. If you think you might want to show cutting horses, do it. It's going to make you a better rider. I think that's great advice. And it's important to remember that you don't have to dive all the way in to try it out and see if it's something you enjoy first. Everything that there is in the world, you know, there's some place if you are seriously interested that you can get a lesson or try it out somewhere first before you really dive in. But if it's what set your, sets your soul on fire, go after it. What are some things you guys are learning from Dusta so far? Uh, we're learning that if you want to get better, you have to put a lot of time in so that you can get good at what you want to be good at. I've learned that you've got to go try something new if you want to get better at what you're doing now or learn something else. Very good. What about you, Aubrey? That you have to work really hard to be able to do it. You can't get it throughout. It's kind of, you're kind of told you have to work for it. You can't just go and do it. It's not like there. Right. Grace Day, what is your question? So it wasn't exactly a question, I guess, for that reason, for her reason of like trying show jumping and all that certain stuff to just make you perform as a better, better rider and all that. I ended up trying hunter jumper and I actually really enjoy it. And I do that a lot now. That's awesome. What have you learned so far during this interview with Dusta Grace? So what I learned is that, yeah, like everybody else said, you have to and work hard at something to actually go on, go on. Good. Yes, ma'am. Kenley. I was going to ask her, um, how does she get her nerves away? Great question. That's a really good question. Um, so one of my big things to get rid of my nerves is I pray. I'm pretty religious. And so I pray every time. Um, another big thing that gets rid of my nerves is singing. It sounds crazy, but if I just kind of like do a little dance, sing a little song, that really helps me kind of level myself back out, come back down to earth. And when I'm really struggling, I take a really big, deep breath in my nose. I hold it for as long as I can, which I try to do 10 seconds, but when I'm really nervous, it's really hard to do 10 seconds. And then I blow that out my mouth because as a doctor of pharmacy, I know that that's going to lower my heart rate and help me come back down and get on a level to do my best. Yeah. And when breathing, making sure that when you take that deep breath in, it goes like all the way down to your belly, not just a shallow, I call them a shallow deep breath in your chest, but where it goes like all the way down deep. And like with that too, um, I would say that another really helpful thing when I'm doing my breathing is I close my eyes and I visualize my run or my performance or whatever I'm about to go do. And I always visualize for success. And if for a minute the devil or your brain lets you have a bad thought or you picture your run going bad, you stop it right there and you back it up like hit the rewind switch and you play it again and you play it with success and you play it over and over and over with that success and you will replicate that success. Your brain is so powerful. So never underestimate the power of believing in yourself and being mentally ready to win. It's just as important as the physical and the practicing, um, the practicing you do 
physically, your muscle memory, so important. But the practice, you need to build you a mind gym and you need to practice in your head too. You need to practice at home going through that run, needing to be 5.9 at Manhattan, Kansas. And you need to believe when you show up and it's time to be that 5.9, you've already made that run 10 times in your head. You've already made that run 10 times in the practice pen. You are ready to go make that perfect run. Yes, ma'am. 100% agree. That is great advice. Charlotte, what have you learned today? I've learned you need to focus on you and your horse instead of what everyone else does. For sure. So insider trading about Sage. I'm going to tell you guys a Sage secret. Sage, when Sage's nerves get up, he yawns. And you'll see him do it now the next time you see him at a rodeo. When Sage is starting to get nervous, he, he does it every night at the NFR, like clockwork, you'll see it. And I think part of it is his deep. So sorry, I live in the boonies. <laughs> and our internet is terrible, um, but it's really beautiful. And um, we actually, so Will's fun new adventure is he's managing a rodeo company. He's managing the best rodeo company. He says, Will is managing Championship Pro Rodeo. It's a PRCA rodeo company. We have close to 80 head of bucking horses here at the house and like no neighbors, no anything. It's us and the cows and the horses. So congratulations. That's awesome. Fun, but no internet. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Now they have their own rodeo company, bucking horses, all the stuff. Okay, you're back. I'm back. I don't know. I don't know. I give up at this point. I don't know. Do you have any last tidbits of information or inside secrets? Um, one of mine would be to uh, um, keep your circle of people and your friends tight because you will become who you run with. And so run with champions, run with people with the same goals as you, the same like-minded purpose in life as you. And that's really going to elevate your game to the next level. Um, iron sharpens iron. And so if you will keep your circle of friends tight and keep people around you that want you to do better and want you to have success, that will help you immensely in every area of your life, whether you are studying or rodeoing or whatever it is, keep your circle of people where they want you to win. And um, that that's huge in life. So yeah. that's one thing. Will, do you have any, any advice? Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, he says. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. You're full of so much valuable information and the things that you and your family have done and will and the entertainment industry and the rodeo industry and the Western lifestyle are just, it's amazing. And it takes people just like Dusta who, you know, people often overlook the entertainment value of rodeo, but rodeo at the end of the day, those big performances, are paid for because they're entertainment. And so if there's a local rodeo that comes to your town, don't try to cheat your way in, you know, pay for those tickets and, and go let those people like Dusta or whoever's performing, let them know, like find your way to the back of the shoots and tell them great job and ask them for a nugget of, of information because they wanna see you guys be successful. And they're the kind of people that you want in your corner and we have to support them so that we can continue having these rodeos, awesome events and living this lifestyle that we love so much. Thank you for that advice, Will. And Dusta, thank you for taking the time today to talk with us and share 
all the valuable information that you've gained and the experiences and about your family and it's amazing what you've done and we look forward to seeing you continue and continue being such an awesome role model for so many and for all of you that go to rodeos don't try to cheat your way in uh, rodeos happen because they are entertainment and without the fans without people paying to go we don't get to have things like trick riders and even rodeos where there are crowds so just make sure that you're supporting your local rodeos and, and taking the time to Go check it out and pay for those tickets and let the entertainers know how much you appreciate them. And don't be afraid to go back into the back pens or behind the chutes or head over to their trailer and uh, just ask them for a little nugget of information. Let them know how much you appreciate them and ask them some questions because there's not a single entertainer or person in the rodeo world that I know that doesn't want to see this, this event continue and by asking them questions it's an honor for them to usually get to answer those so they want to see you be successful and they want to see this industry continue to thrive and you kids are the future of that so ask those questions enjoy go to the rodeos pay for the tickets and just continue loving the lifestyle and bringing your friends into it as well so Dusta thank you very much Will thanks for listening in and giving a few little pieces of advice here and there and we wish you guys the very best of luck, and hopefully we'll see you sometime soon. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good night. Yeah. You bet. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Join all of us at RodeoKids.com the last Tuesday of every month at 6.30 p.m. Central Time to learn from some of the industry's leading competitors and professionals, entertainers, and everybody in between that makes this world tick. Everyone of all ages is invited. So tell your friends, your family members, and join us next month, 6.30, the last Tuesday. You can find the Zoom link and information about who our next guest is going to be by following our Facebook and Instagram pages.